Hey everyone. I know it's been a minute since I posted. Um, December has been or was a very busy month, uh, but let's go ahead and jump right into chapter seven of the adulthood series. Everybody's got a story. One that has molded them into who they are. So here's my story. Ups and downs, good and bad. Take from it whatever lessons you choose. And if it doesn't pertain, just leave it. Come listening as I share my diary Cause this is D's Diary D's Diary D's Diary So last episode left off where I had completed the schoolhouse for the Marine Corps where I was learning my job and everything like that and I had taken advice from my um, drill instructor at boot camp where I kind of pushed myself to study hard and you know I graduated undergrad or whatever and when you graduate undergrad you're supposed to choose where you get stationed and I had chosen to get stationed stateside you know like in the United States um, South Carolina mainly because I, you know, had some friends that I went to boot camp with and we had also met at our schoolhouse and a lot of them were there. So prior to graduation, we all chose our top three duty stations. <laughs> and needless to say, I didn't get um, either of the three. I got stationed overseas in Japan. And <laughs> if there's one thing I can say that was probably one of the greatest blessings in my life, I met some of the most incredible people. And to this day, majority of my closest friends are individuals who I uh, befriended while I was stationed in Japan. So I wouldn't have traded that for anything but um, after graduation, we all went back to our, either after graduation or prior, I can't really recall. We were in the classroom and they gave us, you know, our orders. That's what tells you where you're getting stationed and anything like that. So I was anxiously waiting that <laughs> being an undergrad, they were gonna grant me my selection. But as we all learned quickly, it's always the need of the Marine Corps. So they needed someone with my job in uh, Japan. So they put the piece of paper on my desk and I saw I'm going to Japan. And I'm thinking, whoa. <laughs> At first, you know, it's exciting. You know, I, I've lived overseas a lot of times as you all may already know if you're following the series, but I think as an adult, <laughs> it would have been my first time overseas and as exciting as it was, it was a little 
um, I was a little nervous, but you know, you don't have a choice. So I take the orders, you know, we all say our goodbyes at the schoolhouse and before you go to your next duty station, if you're getting stationed overseas or something, um, obviously you get to go home and pack up whatever it is that you need to pack up. So I fly from Mississippi back um, home on the East Coast and, you know, just kind of was packing up my things. You know, everyone was trying to help me as much as they could. And, you know, they had like a going away party or whatnot for me. <laughs> I'm laughing because the journey to Japan was a very interesting one. So I get all my documents you need to travel and, you know, and I pack up, I think it's like two, two or three suitcases. Cause you know, I was still young. I didn't have so much responsibilities or so much to pack up. I just had a few suitcases with clothes and whatnot. So we had our going away party. All my friends back home who I was close to, they all showed up. It was, it was absolutely beautiful. And I think the night before I looked through my suitcase, I looked through everything to make sure I had all my documents, everything that was needed, or so I thought. So when you're going to Japan, um, you fly all the way to the West Coast. You fly out of Seattle, um, Washington. So I say my goodbye, cause you know I'm leaving from the East Coast. So I say my goodbyes, hop on the plane and just excited to get to Seattle so I can get stationed in Japan because now I'm going in the, the real real Marine Corps where you actually you're doing your job and you're meeting uh, even um, you're meeting new people still and I'm just excited so I get to Seattle and I get to the airport and I think it's time to like cross over the I can't really explain it like you go through before you go through security everything they have you know the USO where if you're traveling you can go and sit there and whatnot so I get to the USO I'm just kind of waiting and I get and it's time to you know um, check in so I go there and when you're Leaving Seattle to go overseas to Japan, you take military flights and you always have to have your military ID and everything. So when I was flying from the East Coast to the West Coast, Seattle, I used my state ID. I'm not sure why I didn't double check for my military ID. I don't know what was going through my head. So when that evening, our flight was leaving that evening or so. and. As we were checking in, you know, to the USO and wherever we needed to go do our check-ins, they were like, you know, can I please see your orders and your military ID? So I'm looking all over, I'm scrambling for my military ID. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, and they're not going to let you on without your military ID. So I'm scrambling, I'm like, and I think it was like a Friday, either Friday or Saturday. So everyone that had that I was spending the whole day with in the airport um, at the USO, 
they were all getting ready to board the flight and everything i'm just standing like oh my gosh i really can't get on this flight long story short they get on the flight i didn't <laughs> but the thing is because when i got to seattle it was during the weekend when i called my mom i was like hey i forgot my military id can you look all over and whatever and she found it but even if she wanted to mail it to me from the east coast to the west coast it was going to take a couple of days so you know the way how the uso set up like they had like bunk beds and you can sleep in it or whatnot <laughs> so i slept at the uso for about i think for about two days and <laughs> like everyone who came after me when it was time for them to travel whether they came saturday sunday whatever you know would all still hang out and they would just leave and i was sitting there like this cannot be happening you know it's almost as if since i <laughs> joined the marine corps i've been missing flights and so eventually my mom overnights it i think on a saturday and it gets there on monday and i finally get to board and i get to japan and as we were approaching, I think we were about an hour or so, you know, I started taking pictures out the flight. And actually this evening I was looking through some old pictures and stuff I have. And I hadn't realized uh, the amount of pictures I took on the way to Japan. So I was just taking pictures of the skies, the, you know, it was so beautiful. And even before we got down, just the, the base and it was just so surreal like I'm thinking oh my gosh I'm in the actual Marine Corps so I get off we get off the plane and you go in this little um, docking area where they just kind of give you a almost like a brief to-do list where you need to go um, and depending on what unit you're with the person in charge of the barracks because you know we all stay in barracks and whatnot um if you are a single marine if you have families they have like apartments and stuff on base so they tell you what unit you're going to that someone's going to come pick you up but they'll drop you off and you know just going over it uh japanese courtesy and everything so i'm like just excited so they dropped me off to my barracks and I met the barracks manager and you know it, it's so weird when you're new like everyone's in a routine the thing about the Marine Corps or the military overall it doesn't take long for you to get into a routine and because everyone like the the bond the bond people um, often don't understand between military members it's like as soon as you arrive you're part of the group you know whether you're new to the barracks or new to the office or new to I guess the neighborhood in a sense like you're just automatically included you know whereas other situations where you actually have to go befriend someone and find someone to help you fit in and get adjusted it's like everybody just contributes to you getting acclimated and so I get here and I meet the barracks manager and you know she gives me my room 
And when I first get there, I didn't have a roommate because it was one of the empty rooms. So I was like, okay, I can see I have my little room by myself, chilling. And so, you know, she was telling me, she was like, you know, um, this evening, uh, you can come, you know, hang out with me. At, I have like, you know, a group of people that I hang out with. So you're welcome to join us, you know. So I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I'll think about it. Let me get adjusted and whatnot. Um, I didn't end up going, but when it was like around like child time, which is like lunch, I like stood out the barracks and I'm just looking around like, oh my gosh, like I'm, <laughs> I'm actually in the Marine Corps. <laughs> I just, I was trying to take everything in and I was just like, I cannot believe I ran away to join the military and now I'm thousands of miles away in Japan. And so I, uh, one of the, one of the Marines were, um, was coming downstairs. They were in, you know, like mortar tea. So the way how our barracks was set up, depending on what like department or division or like office um, you were in, I'm trying to use the civilian term for it, but wherever you were is you were on that floor. So like the first floor we had like all the jobs, you know, um, occupations or whatnot that were within the headquarters company. So like if you were administration, finance, supply, logistics and stuff like that, you know, um, you were on a certain floor. So no, the first floor was everyone who was air operations. So anything along the line of air traffic control, um, aviation, logistics, um, you know, just anything um, aviation related. On the second floor was anything engineer related, you know. Third floor was mortar transportation. So that whole whole uh, floor was just full of everybody whose occupation was mortar T. And then on the fourth floor, that's where you had all the logistics in terms of like ground ground logistics and administration. So everything headquarters was on the fourth floor. So I was standing outside um, and so this guy comes downstairs and he's, <laughs> to this day, that's like one of my best friends. So he's like so funny. So when I'm like explaining how he talks, that's just how he does. I always call him Bernie Mac because that's just how, as soon as you start interacting with him, you just feel like you're talking to Bernie Mac. And sometimes they sound alike. So he comes downstairs, he's like, looking all around. He's like, what are you staring at? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm just taking the scenery. He was like, taking the scenery? You know they're about to close the child hall, right? And then I'm like, no. So he's like, well, you know, let's go. So he comes in, we're like walking to, you know, the child hall and I'm like humming and singing. He was like, oh, is that, is that singing out here? Okay, okay. Put the volume up. Let's, let's do this. So we're walking and then as we're you know, crossing across the field, we hear colors. When you hear colors on base, you usually stop and you uh, face whatever direction the the U.S. flag is and you salute the flag until the colors is done. So we're walking across the field. We're almost past the enter the child hall. We hear colors. Like you can't like escape to go like 
all camera ready and you just kind of turn wherever you are. So we stand up there and they do the US um, national anthem, I mean the colors, and then they, you know, close for the evening. So we get to Chaho and we're just kind of talking and chatting. He's like, he just came also and he had been in a lot longer than me, but he was stationed elsewhere. Like, I think he had been stationed in Cali before he had been stationed in Japan, but like Okinawa and I was in Iwakuni. So we just kind of, you know, chopping it up, whatever. And when we're done eating, we we're walking back to the barracks and he was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm more to transport. I'm on the third floor. So if you ever free, you know, come hang out with, with all of us or whatever the case is. So, um, so this one day I was like, you know, let me go, uh, meet a lot more people. So when I go there, come to find out it's the same crew, you know, the barracks manager was hanging with. So like I tell you to this day, those are some of the closest people to me. And when I say we had fun in Japan, like we had fun and the military is the one place you get to meet people from like all backgrounds. You know, there are different occupations where you can meet a lot of people from this country and that country and so, but when you enter the military, you ask someone like, oh, where are you from? And they tell you, oh, I'm from, I was born in Ecuador. Oh, I'm from Dubai originally. I was born in London and I came here or I'm from Iowa, Alaska, or, you know, just places you wouldn't necessarily not that you won't visit, but places you won't think every day you're going to meet someone from there, you know? And just to hear people's stories in terms of where, you know, they're from or were they born in the U.S., were they born overseas? And those of you who have been listening for a while, you all know I'm a big advocate of people's stories. Like, is theirs good or bad, you know? It's just their story. And it was just so cool hearing someone being born in like Tanzania and talking about growing up in Tanzania and coming here when they were older or, you know, being born in Pakistan or Iraq or something. Just, it's just so, it was just so amusing to me to just have friends or acquaintances from just everywhere. And I guess that's what made it so beautiful because even though you all are from, you know, a lot of different places, it's like you all spoke one language, you know, Marine Corps. And oftentimes, you know, people have their opinions about the military and everything, you know, as we all do. But when we speak about we as in, you know, active duty military or veterans when we speak about the military and the love for it it's not the politics of it or the things that get done or everything it's literally the people the friendships we build that last our whole life closeness you build with people I mean these people you work with them when you get off work you hang out with them when you are on holiday or, or leave or vacation, you all take trips together. 
It's like literally you see these people every single day. It almost feels like every second of every day unless you're about to go to sleep. But other than that, you do physical training with them in the morning. You go to work with them. You go to lunch with them. Come back from lunch. You get off work. You all go change over into your civilian attire. And then you go back to hang out with each other until it's like late. Then you go to sleep and wake up and repeat it all over again. I can honestly say that that was one of the greatest opportunity I I had. With every job, there are pros and cons, good and bad, sacrifices that are made. But that's all part of living, if you ask me. So I we would like get off work and you know go hang out in each other's like everybody's room was almost as if it was their apartment. You know sometimes people just like leave their door open and start blasting music. <laughs> so you would just pass the door and be like, oh, what's going on in here? Is it a party? Is it this? You know. And field day, field day, it was fun, but it was also very annoying depending on who was in charge. So basically for field day, um, like every unit has a specific day. So like for our unit, we were on, I think it was Thursdays. I think it was on Thursday. So what happens on field days is, you know, most of the time you come home from work, you go hang out, like you have your whole day to yourself. Like being in the military, you have your, it's like a regular job. You know, depending on your job and depending on the shifts and stuff you work. But on field day, everybody has to be there for formation, which is probably around like, it's usually around like 1730, which is like 530 p.m. So you get information and basically they tell you what it is that you all are doing. You have to clean up your rooms, clean up everything. But like who's cleaning the hallways and everything when you're done, you get inspected. So... As I stated earlier, depending on who does the field inspection or the barracks inspection, depends how late you might be going to sleep. And like every other occupation, you have people there who take advantage of power. It just is what it is. And so they get there and they're like, most of the time the sergeants were in charge of field days. So you would get there and they would say like, you know, get started everybody start cleaning you five you all are cleaning the what's that place called like almost like the lobby area you know you three you have the hallways and you know so every floor they pick people and do whatever and when you're all done cleaning maybe they'll say around maybe like 1900 or you know like seven or so you would um you would like they would say that's it in the field day as in they're about to inspect. So when it's time for them to inspect and they go room to room and they find something that they don't like, they'll tell you to redo it. You know, the thing I liked about um, some sergeants that were in charge, if they check your room that night, you were good, they would just, you know, be like, okay, you're good for the day, do whatever. But then there were some that would be like, we're not checking anything tonight. We're going to check when you're all at work. Therefore, you can come back from work and find out you failed field day 
And even though Friday you had planned to get off work and hang out and go chill, which what are you about to do? You're about to clean up your room again so they can inspect it on Saturday. So sometimes when you hear people, if you do hear people talk about some of the annoying stuff in the military life and some of those things, but they're not that deep. And then you have some of those sergeants who did some days when it was their time to do field day, they would say it's a white glove inspection. This is when they want you to clean like absolutely ridiculously where they would say, oh, they'll put on a white glove or something, and that's how they'll inspect your room. So they, with the white glove, if they rub on your, the top of your dresser and dust gets on it or something like that, <laughs> you failed. And oftentimes I think they say, like, if you get three hits, which is three failures, maybe the top of your dressers, your bunk bed or something's not made, then, it, then you fail it and they make you repeat it. You know, but it's just... It's all part of it. It's all part of it. It's the same one. <laughs> it's all part of the conversations we have as military members and Marines when we get together. Like, oh, you feel feel day? No. Did you? No. Did they do white glove? No. You know, all the slangs and slogans and whatnot. And, I, you know, I keep putting emphasis on the closeness of Marines and stuff and that level of camaraderie because it's once you leave trying to get adjusted back to the civilian life it can take a toll on you because once you come back to the civilian life you realize the regular general public is not like that that closeness that I have your back mentality like you know I will defend you in the public and behind then I'll go and tell you what the issue is or what you need to fix you know and I only bring that up because as you listen on to other future episodes you'll get to see how that took a toll on me just overall living the military life and once you get out having to adjust back to the civilian life you know, even if it's something minute, like what your schedule looked like today. Because in the military, you knew what you were doing from the time you wake up to the time is, you know, you get off. You know, and, um, but, you know, I have some funny Japan memories and I look forward to sharing them because those were some of the best years of my life and some of the funniest stories. And so. Stay tuned for the next episode and get all the tea. <laughs> Till next time. God bless.